Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Well, I'm excited. It's so good to be in God's house this morning. I have a long ways to go in a short time to get there. We're going to do what they say can't be done? No? All right. Tough crowd. Well, I'm excited that you're here today. My name is Mark. If I haven't met you before, I've been a Christian since I was 18. I didn't grow up. I, I grew up kind of believing God was out there somewhere, did not believe that I could know him personally. Some of you are sitting here today watching online, and you're like, maybe God is real, but I don't think he has really any personal vested interest in my life. Many people think that suicide is an option because they don't realize that God creates things with purpose. Where there is no purpose, there is no, there's no reasons. And I believe that God not only made you for a purpose, he does have a tailored plan. You know, one of my first jobs, Paul, it was at a tuxedo shop. And one of the things I did when I was in high school, I worked at a tuck shop, and I learned how to measure people. And I actually saw how a suit was supposed to fit somebody, or if it wasn't, you know, fit the right way. But I believe that God, God's plan, hear me very clearly because I feel something this morning. God's plan, when his presence encounters you, is he actually has a tailored purpose. It fits you like a hand in a glove. Come on. God has a plan for your life. You're not an accident. I don't care what your parents told you. Uh, some of you grew up, man, my mom told me that I was an accident. No, 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 no. You might have surprised mom, but you did not surprise God. God knew where you were. God knew, God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I feel like preaching already this morning. That's why I believe in the sanctity of life in the womb. John the Baptist was filled in the... He was in his mom's belly when he got filled with the Spirit. And I believe that before you were born, God knew you. God knew the purpose he had for your life. And that's why we're advocates of life here. Can I get a good amen? I'd like to say, because I know it's a hot topic right now, that there is grace today. If you've had an abortion, if something's gone on like that, I want you to know you're in a church that loves people. And God heals even the most broken of hearts. And so I want you to know today that I'm excited for what God is going to do. He told me this. Uh, I forgot to say it last service. So you guys picked the better service to go to. Uh, but he told me this, I was praying last night, and, and actually two nights ago, and he said this, there's some people that are actually believing for strategic wisdom right now, and he wanted me to tell you that he is the, one, he is the God that is wonderful in counsel. And I just felt like this was going to be weak, even today, some of you are going to have a God moment with him today, he's going to give you a dream, he's going to give you a clear vision, and it's going to give you counsel to solve a problem that you can't get around right now. Does anybody believe that God is a God that gives wonderful counsel? Okay, I'd say about 30%. If you're watching online, 30% of Orange County believes that God gives wonderful counsel. That's all right. But they'll get it. Those others maybe won't. I believe this, that God is a God. Not only is going to give wonderful counsel, but he's going to give excellent guidance. And there's a few of you that you're like wondering what steps to take next. It might be with your marriage. It could be with your kids. Uh, it's with a business, a ministry. And I just, I heard this really clearly. I was reading Isaiah and he said, I'm excellent in guidance. I'm wonderful in counsel. And then he went on to say that some people have been weeping that are going to weep no more. And I think there's some moms in here. I think even, I'm, I'm sorry, I know it's a sensitive topic, but I just feel like even someone that might have had an abortion, and you've had this cycle of weeping and mourning, and it doesn't feel like there's an amount of tears that can deal with the pain in your heart. And I want you to know that God is a God that heals the most wounded of hearts. And I, mark my words, this Sunday on Mother's Day, God's going to heal you in a way that you will weep no more. I appreciate the nervous hand clap. It's all right, man. It's okay to tell people the truth. They appreciate it. 
I have found that it's not usually the people that have the issue that get offended. It's the people that try to defend people that have issues. Sean, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, like, they're good. If you just tell people the truth in love, God will heal their hearts. And so uh, I'm excited for what he's going to do today. And the last thing I felt, I, I kind of prayed it already, but I did feel like this Mother's Day, there was going to be such a revelation of Jesus that it was going to make us want to get rid of our idols. And I've never had that really that burden before, but I've had moments in my life that I've had such a real encounter with God. I'm like, Lord, remove any insulation that's, that's separating me from a pure connection with you. That's what idols are. Idols are basically insulation that, that, that prevents you from having a clear connection with God. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying you have an idol, you're going to hell. I'm saying that idols will distract you from God's best. Can I get an amen up in here? If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, you can throw me a Baptist head nod. You can give me a Presbyterian eyebrow raise or a Latter-day Saint deep breath. We encourage you to come on, say something today. So we're going to have a good time. If you believe it, come on, say amen. You got your Bibles today? All right, if you have your Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 28. Last week, if you missed it, I want you to go back, because I believe that was a message not just for Ocean's Church. I really believe it was a clarion kind of prophetic message for the Big C Church. I talked about last week how God is building people. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. Church is not buildings, it's people. When people get built, so do buildings. But we never start with building buildings. We build people first. Does that make sense? That's what God does. So I want to talk a little bit about this today. Because uh, essentially, what I'm going to talk about today, if you're brand new, why should I pay attention? That was the question I always asked when I, when I sat in church when I was growing up. Why should I listen to you, preacher? Well, you're wearing your wife's jeans. Um, let me tell you why. I think you should pay attention today. Because what I'm going to tell you uh, today is, is if you build the right thing with your life, that thing that you build will actually build you. Many people build the wrong things in their life, and the things that they construct actually make them something they never want to be. So I want to talk today a little bit about building a place. Say it with me, a place. Uh, Genesis chapter 28, it's a story about a guy named Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Father Abraham had, yeah, many sons had. Yeah, those are church people right there, okay? We've identified them. And it says that Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob is the first man on the earth that got a heavenly revelation. He's the first one that had a vision of heaven touching earth. And I want you to know that pretty much everything in the New Testament is found somewhere in a shadow form in the Old Testament. Scholars say the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We'll have Tylenol in the back afterwards. It's tricky, right? But I want you to know that Genesis 28 is basically Matthew 16. It's very similar. You'll see name changes. You'll see heaven to earth. You'll see God meeting people with a rock and, and a church being the church, uh, a stone being correlated to a church or a rock. And so uh, today, Genesis 28, I'm going to read 12 verses. Everything I talk about is connected to these 12 verses. I want to talk to you today about building a place. Everyone here is building something right now. Can, I, can we agree on that? You might be building a business, you're building a marriage, you're building wealth. Some of you are building uh, debt. <laughs> Everybody's building something. Orange County, people are building. And I believe there's certain things that we build that touch the heart of God. So here's what we want to do today. Genesis 28, here's what's cool about this passage. This is the very official first church service in the scriptures. Genesis 28, let's look at the first church service. It says, Jacob, he went out from Miller Light Sheba was the youth pastor joke I used to say. 
I won't say it in this church, though, because I'm a pastor now, okay? He went to Beersheba. Can I get an amen? amen? It was a joke, bad joke. Keep Stay with me, everybody. He went to Haran. So he came to a certain place. He stayed there all night. This is first church service. The sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place. He put it under his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. And when he went to sleep, say with me, sleep. sleep. Someone's like, I've been to that church. <laughs> went to sleep there. And in that dream, in that place he slept, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a ladder. The top of it was set up on the earth. The top reached to heaven. The angels of God were going up and going down. Some scholars say it's a staircase, maybe not a ladder. And, and, and they ascended and descended there. It was, it was a gateway. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord. I am the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Also, hey, Jacob, your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth. You're going to spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And by the way, Jacob, in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth. Notice it doesn't just say the church. It says all the families of the God so loved the church. No, God so loved the. By the way, this promise that we read here is from Genesis chapter 12. God's promise to Abraham was, I will bless you to be a blessing to the nations of the This is the most frequently promised uh, scripture in the New Testament. It's found in Colossians 1 and Hebrews 6. God's always talking about, even Acts, when Peter preaches, he's talking about how God wants to bless us to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. So he says it, you'll be blessed. And in you, the earth will be blessed. I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have spoken to you. Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Some of you are going to leave today going, man, God was in that church. I had no idea. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? I love the first definition of church was it was a awesome place how many want to reinvent come on who wants to make sundays great again tough crowd they said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of god this is the gateway of heaven i love that that definition of the idea of church is the gateway of heaven jacob rose up early in the morning he took a stone took a stone under his head. He set it up as a pillar. He poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel. But the place was previously called Luz, previously. Then Jacob made a vow. This is what he said. If God will be with me, if he will keep me in the way that I am going, if he will give me bread to eat, maybe some skinny jeans to wear, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then, then, say it with me, then. Then the Lord shall be, Keyword here, my he will be my god my god and uh by the way this stone which i have set up that i built as a pillar shall be god's house his church and of all that god gives me i will surely give a tithe 10 percent, back to you it's crazy even the very first church you know it's revival when he, he decided he's gonna start tithing it was a move of god first church service. I want to talk to you today about build a place, build a place. Say with me, build a place. All right, I got 20 minutes. Let's do this. Lord, what we ask you today that you would meet us here in this place. I know that California right now in America is in distress. I know that right now the nations are in derision. 
I know that, God, it, it does appear that we are living in, in, in the last days, but I do believe that you have, throughout history, you have awakened lands, nations, counties, and states in times of turmoil. So I ask you, Lord, today on this Mother's Day Sunday that you would awaken our lands. I pray that those that are dead in, in, dead in their, their trespasses would come to life. I pray for those that are spiritually sleeping to wake up. We ask you that, Holy Spirit, you would come to wake up the sleeper. I pray that today you would revitalize faith to those that have gone dormant and that you would throw fresh fire into our logs today and fire of faith. Lord, I pray that you would stir up your church, that you would wake us up, and that the gates of hell would not prevail against us. Lord, lead your people, guide your people, do what you can with the Lakers, bless the angels and the Dodgers. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I was thinking about growing up, uh, sit with me, places. My mom, she always, uh, from my earliest memories, my mom has always been addicted to open houses. Does anybody else have a mom like that? You'd be driving somewhere. You'd be on your way to school. There's an open house sign. Mom's like, you're going to be late today. <laughs> Mom loved looking at open houses. As a kid, I remember I was the baby. I have two older brothers, John and Lucifer. And um, I'm just kidding. That's not, his name's name, 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 Satan. Um, but I have two older brothers, but I was the baby. My mom would drive me everywhere with her. We would go look at open houses. And uh, I remember uh, we'd go like one, like Saturdays especially, it was like a open house marathon. Looking back, I'm like, Mom, we were never even interested in buying. You just like looking at other people's houses. But my mom loved homes, and I think she's called to be a real estate agent at some point. She'll get there. And uh, I was thinking about, though, my mom, she would drag me around, and this, this was the negotiation. She would go, Mark, if you're good, when you're done, I'll take you to your favorite happy place. I was like, okay. And she knew where my happy place was. When I was four, five, six years old, my happy place was B. Donald's. This is back before it was, you, this is back when you could publicly say you liked McDonald's. Okay? It's a different time period. Some of you older, you know, younger people don't know what I'm talking about. Back in the day, we had Ronald McDonald, the weirdo clown that actually endorsed us to going to a place that probably was serving food that you should not be eating. But nonetheless, they had a play place. Can I get an amen? I don't know if you remember that play place at McDonald's. It was that playground. You remember that unsanitized playground? You know that place that had the dirty slide, the filthy balls, the foggy plastic glass? Had that bully that wouldn't let you go through the tunnel? He seemed to live there, didn't have parents, and didn't take his shoes off like the rest of us. I remember that place. That was my happy place. I love McDonald's, man. My mom would go there. This is back before cell phones. I don't even know what she did. She'd just stare at me. Just walking, going everywhere. Just crawling through this tunnel, digging through the balls. It's my happy place. Got the, the worst food, but at least they had a fun place to go to. It's funny how that McDonald's, that I think there's so many people that actually tolerated the food because the kids loved the play place. Let's think about the, the kind of just the, the irony of, you know, some, there's places you go to that have changed cities. I'll never forget when I was living in Tehachapi, California, I was a kid, lived there for a couple years, and it was a small town, and we got our first Taco Bell. That, that Taco Bell changed the city. It was like revival hit our land. Started buying the Taco 12 packs. It's like, dear Lord, this is amazing. There was places that changed regions. It's funny how you go to certain places. They're scary places. I've been to, we were downtown LA. It was a scary place. 
I've been to stinky places. You ever been to the dump? It's like, this is what hell smells like. You go to, you go to loud places. You ever been to the Pomona Speedway? You listen to top fuel cars race down the, 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 the racetrack. It's a loud place. You go to quiet places like libraries, right? No one's talking. You go to fun places like Six Flags. Can I get an amen? Boycott Disney. We'll keep going. <laughs> Kidding. Seriously, though. Seriously, though. Um, you have angry places like the DMV. I want to know how they hire their employees there. Hey, come on in for an interview. Let me ask a couple questions. Do you like people? No. Do you like to smile? No. Do you feel like you're a helpful individual? Nope. You got the job. You start tomorrow. There's angry places, fun places. There's safe places. I want to shout out to all the moms that make our homes safe. So moms do. Moms make our homes safe. My mom, we actually, we childproof our house, but somehow our kids still found a way in. Um, there's places. I believe there's places that we go to that you build those places and they actually create a dynamic in a, in a region. There's places, again, at library, it changes a region. It affects the city. You, you build a McDonald's. You build a, you build a, a, a racetrack. You build, in Idaho, we had a racetrack close to our church. You could hear it Saturday nights. The environment of that place affected the region. And I want you to know that today, in the time that we're living in, there are some things that we have to start building once again. I believe that we are living in a window of time that we are actually being uh, attacked in the foundations of what has made our nation great. I believe that we have, a, we have a history, right? So if you look at world history, we have 5,000 years of world history. We know that historically in 5,000 years, there's been 26 times in history that have been seasons just like we're in right now. Throughout history, we've had multipolar empires, we've had bipolar empires, and we've had unipolar empires. What does that mean? Multipolar means there's more than three countries that have the same amount of power that go to world wars to jockey over world dominance. Then that's the worst because everybody's always at war. You can't do missions work when, when there's world wars. It makes traveling difficult. It makes commerce difficult. It makes peace difficult. Are you hearing me today? The worst climate to be in is, is in a multipolar environment. Then bipolar is a little bit better. It's kind of like when Russia and America were going through the Cold War. You had two nations with equal power that were jockeying for world dominance. And then 1991, we went to a unipolar uh, society that America became the superpower, almost like the police officer of the world. If you look at even uh, people that have studied world history, studied the church, they will tell you that in unipolar environments, the greatest revivals can happen in the world. It's not that God elevates perfect nations. It's like God will elevate a nation that seems to be the most righteous. Proverbs 14 says that righteousness exalts a nation. And I want you to know that the 26 times in 5,000 years that we've been in climates like we're in right now, none of those dynasties survived. All of them died, but none of them died because they were murdered. All of them died, be, all of them died by suicide. They imploded because the very thing that made them great in the beginning, they got away from. And essentially, as their kids grew up, they removed the foundation that the nation was built on. You can't go to the Space Needle and remove the foundation and leave it standing. And I want you to know that right now, I'm telling you, there's something that we have to start to build once again. We are living in a time that our morality has left. 
our logic has vaporized and we're living in a godless post-Christian world right now. People say, Mark, what's the hope of America? I want you to know I am praying for godly leaders. I love Anthony Tremino personally. He's my friend. I believe that God will raise up godly men and godly women in politics. But I want to remind you that the heart of our land's problem is not legislation. That's a byproduct of the biggest problem, which is the human heart. And I want you to know that I believe that the church is the greatest thing on the earth to build because it is the only organization that deals with the human heart. I'm telling you that California's problems cannot be solved by our military. They cannot be solved by NATO. They cannot be solved by our government. The hope of our nation is in the conscience of our land, which is the church. And when the church loses its conscience, the land falls apart. Are you hearing me today? Going somewhere. How do you know? Because every, historically, I've been studying, uh, studying uh, missio- uh, missiologists, and they were telling me, I was reading some books even this week after some guys I discovered, and one guy in particular read over a thousand books in world history. Yeah. thousand books. And he goes, I'll summarize it like this. He goes, basically every nation like America, they start out of an outburst of reacting to something they don't want to be. 1776, they go, no, we want to land with free speech and the freedom of religion. When that outburst happened, they go into a new season called conquest. 1918 to 1945, we had two world wars. Are you with me today? Little history lesson here. And when you go from conquest, if you survive conquest, you go into a season of commerce. 1945, we start having an economy. Our stock market begins to rise. Things begin to happen. And when commerce hits a land... Next thing that happens is influence, or excuse me, affluence. 1950, prosperity starts to flood the United States of America. 1950, affluence will always test you more than poverty. I believe one of the greatest tests that America has failed is the test of affluence. Affluence will always lead, 1950's affluence, 1962, we go from affluence to intellect. When you go to the season of intellect, that you start worshiping knowledge more than God. 1962, we remove the Bible from schools. We take, we take prayer out of our education. We stop teaching people what founded our nation. And what happens when you take God out of a civilization, 1965, we shift it from a Bible and the foundations being the values of Scripture, a, a Judeo-Christian worldview for 80 years, and we shift that that, that into a critical theory education, sharing the roots of our civilization, criticizing our civilization. So instead of celebrating why we came out and why we were formed, we start criticizing what we're not. And whenever you get into a season of this intellectual pride, it leads to decadence. The season of decadence is when the, the, the nation's morality declines, the values decline, the foundations decline, the economy declines, and in a matter of time, that's the last phase before collapse. Bad news first, if America is not revived, it will collapse. Good news, the hope of America is the church saying it's time to build again. It's time to build back the foundations that as for me, as for my house, We're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of 66 books by 42 authors written over 1,200 years with no contradictions. As for me, as for my house, 1,189 chapters, right? This book, Genesis 1 to Revelations 22, we're going to stand for God's ways. 
We're going to pull down the high places. We're going to get away from the antichrist spirit. And we're going to say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Come on, if you believe it, come on, give him a good hand clap today. We got to build. We got to build once again. We got to build once again. Grab a seat. We got to build once again. God will build a revival because this is what God does. God builds people, and it's those people that co-labor with God to build revivals. I believe that when God wanted to change Egypt, he raised up Moses. When God wanted to change the nations, he raised up Abraham. When God wanted to change Nineveh, he raised up Jonah. When God wanted to save uh, even the land of the Assyrians, God raised up Esther. Are you hearing me today? Whenever God wanted to bring revival to a land, he built a person. You hear me? God is building people in Orange County that say, no, 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 no. We're not settling for status quo. We're not going to this lukewarm, half-hearted California Christianity that we live like hell during the week, but we go to church on Sundays. We're getting rid of our idols. We're pulling down the high places, and we're getting back to the heart of God. Come on, can I get a good amen in here today? I know I'm offending some people, but it's okay. Because I believe in sacred cow tipping. Holy cows, these sacred cows. No, it's okay, Mark. It's okay. I like to live a Christian life that I can get as much darkness in my life as I can and still army crawl into heaven. Let me tell you what God's not, God's not into gossip. God's not into slander. God's not into accusing people that are building the church. I'll tell you what God is not into. God is not into people that live selfish lives. If you want to align yourself with the values of heaven, you got to start building. You know what's interesting? Even the prophetic gift... It's to build. There are so many false prophets in our day that are using their words to tear down. You want to know if you're spiritually mature? You are a builder. Builder. How do you build? You build with your words. You build with your lifestyle. You build with your, you build with your business. You build with your family. We're builders. And I believe that we are living in a window of time that God goes, look, I'm building people. Will the people partner with me to build places? How do you build a church? How do you build a community of faith? How do you say, you know, we're here, because listen to me, revival comes in history, and oftentimes the great moves of God, they fell apart because there was no local churches to sustain the revival. The Jesus people had thousands on the beach. The problem was the church was not welcoming the hippies inside the buildings. So what happens is you have moves of God that are unsustained because there is no local churches. God is building something on the earth. You know what it's called? It's called his... It's not building, it's people. Are you hearing me today? Sorry I'm fired up, man. I just want you to know this today. I'm, all my heart, I just feel this burning inside of me, is that the first church service we know about was a church service that people had no idea, number one, that the presence of God was real. You know what I burn for? I burn for people to go to environments like this, that they can firsthand experience that God is a real God that has a real presence. Some of you don't even know it's the presence of God. You just say, I cry every time I go to Ocean's Church. I've been to lots of churches. I don't normally cry. I don't normally have my heart beat out of my chest. I normally don't get sweaty all over my body. Part of it's a tense. Come on, let's be honest. I've been to places that I've never felt God like this. I've never read my Bible and had God speak to me so clearly. I didn't know that I could hear his voice still today. I didn't know I was a continuationist, that God was still doing miracles on the earth today. I had no idea that God was still on the throne and is still powerful in his bride. And some of you today, you had no idea. Like Jacob, God is in this place. And I didn't even know it. You know what we're supposed to build? We're supposed to build a church, build a life that the presence of God dwells in. 
I would tell you one thing that we value about it as much as anything else. We value the Bible, but we value the presence. There's people that have Bibles, but they have zero presence. And they teach the Bible academically, but there is no transformational power because it's the flow of the Spirit that validates, it brings the Word of God to life. Right? Spirit was hovering over creation, and it was the Word of God that brought the Spirit. It was the Spirit hovering and the Word and the Spirit that brought creation to life. Today, it is still a combination of the Spirit of God and the Word of God that creates things. Some of you know the word, but you've never been transformed because you don't have the spirit. I feel like preaching today. One of the things God has called us to do is to be a church that is not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have gotten your prayer languages in this church. Some of you thought that charismania, you're like, no, that's weird. Those churches are strange. You had no idea that you could actually be a CEO, a top business mind, a top thinker, and be filled with the spirit of God. The gifts of the spirit are not for spooky people. They're for all of God's kids. Can I get a good amen? The good news is you don't have to be weird, strange, or, or like that to go after the deep things of God. It's to anybody that is hungry. Can I get an amen? First thing I would say today, if we're going to be builders of the right place, we have to value building a church that loves the presence. Can I get a good amen? God is in this place. I did not even know it. You know what I love about this church? is how many people that were not serving God did not know Jesus personally until they started coming to one of these environments. How many say it was one of the environments of this church that I got right with God, or for the first time I put my faith in God? Raise your hand really high, don't be ashamed. Look at it around right now. I would say, in this service, come on, real high, real high. I would say maybe 30%. In this church, I got right with God because of this environment. You know what, you know what separates churches? It's the presence. You know why some churches are 30 minutes, and they're brilliant? and they're talking very articulate, and that 30 minutes feels like four hours because they have the word, but they don't have the spirit. You go to a church like Oceans, it's like six hours long. Felt like 30 minutes. That was fast. Why? It's the presence. It is the presence of God that makes impossible things easy to do. I've often told stories. One of my, grand, one of my, my uncles in the faith, he said that he lived in Germany and the, the ships would come in in their shipyard and they would sink into the mud. And when the low tide went out, when the tide went out, the, these big, huge ships, they would literally just sit in the mud. Yeah. And they would have to wait until the tide came back in. And when the water came in, it would lift the ships off the ground. He used to talk about how when the ships were in the mud, there were these massive cargo ships and he would push on them and nothing would happen. But the moment that the tide came in and the waters lifted the boat, this nine-year-old boy could push against a giant ship and move it off the dock. I believe it is the presence of God that makes heavy, impossible things movable. Do you believe that today? Can I get a good amen? We will be a church that values, come on, number one, the presence. Number two, I believe this, that it is the presence of God that we build that creates protection. Notice what he tells Jacob. He says, hey, Jacob, I will be with you. Notice that this is, a, this is the house of God. He goes, this is none other than Bethel. You know what Bethel means? It means house. Beth means how, uh, house. El means God. That's why Bethlehem, it means house of bread. Bethsaida means house of fish. Beth Page means house of figs. Bethany's for the singles, it's house of dates. It's not those kind of dates, though. You following me? It's a tough crowd if you're watching online. I want you to know that God is a God that is building his church. And it's the church that actually creates protection. 
Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The world is going to fall apart, but the church is going to rally. And there is a protection in the church that is not found outside of the church. I believe he says, I will be with you. I will keep you in the way that wherever you go. You know what the, you know this is a big promise to Jacob? Because Jacob worked at Barnes & Noble. He worked at Starbucks inside of Barnes & Noble. His brother, his twin brother named Esau, he was hairier than Bigfoot. And this guy was like a part of the Duck Dynasty cast. He worked at Bass Pro Shop. You follow me? Esau was a crazy good hunter. Esau was a book reader, coffee drinker. Or, or Jacob was. So Esau's this outdoorsman. Jacob's indoorsman. Are you following me? You know what the indoorsman does to the outdoorsman? He steals his birthright. So his brother Esau gets so ticked off, he goes, you're dead. I am going to kill you. He literally said, I'm going to kill you. As soon as dad's gone, you're dead. His mom found out about it. And by the way, moms, this is a good little just Mother's Day wisdom. Don't love one kid more than the other. Can I get an amen? A lot of problems in the Bible because of that. But Esau, Esau found out that, you know, and so mom found out Esau's going to kill Jacob. Jacob, leave until your brother forgets what you've done to him. She thought it was going to take a couple nights. It took like 14 years. 14 years he's gone. He's coming home. And he makes this prayer to God. He goes, God, if you'll keep me, if you'll be with me in the way that I go, keep me alive. Don't let Esau kill me. That I'll serve you. Here's the promise that he said, I will protect you. Number three, I won't just protect you. This is the promise that God gives to those that build the church. I will, number three, provide for you. I believe that provision is a promise of God. Can I get a good amen? amen. Uh, it's one of those faith churches, naming, claiming, blabbing, grabbing, word of thing. You believe for a jet preacher? You drive a Rolls Royce? You some greedy preacher? No, no. Here's the problem. Whenever God has a truth in the Bible, someone will take it too far. And there's abuse. Can we all be honest in church? Orange County was home of some ministries that abused. But what happens is, is because there's abuse, if we're not intentional, we'll actually pendulum swing so far back the other way. No, God wants us to be poor. He wants us to live on the streets like the homeless people. We have to be like them to reach them. But what I found is you can't help poor people if you don't have enough for yourself. You can't actually be a blessing to other people if you're not blessed. And the promise of Abraham, and by the way, this works, by the way, because every nation that gets, becomes a Christian nation, prosperity always elevates and poverty always diminishes. I read a survey that said in 50 years, world poverty has gone from 49% of the earth's population in poverty to about 11%. The explanation is, is they said poverty diminished everywhere Christianity and churches were established. Do you know that 90% of the earth's poverty is in the 1040 window where there is no Christian churches. 90%. They have proven that where there is churches and people that preach the Bible, people get out of poverty. It's a fact. I don't believe that. Well, read the anal analyst. The analyst will tell you that Jesus, God, listen to me, God is life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and, but I came to give life and life more. Here's the problem. We don't believe in abundant life because we've seen abuse. Orange County, listen to me today. I don't believe that everybody that reads their Bible is going to be a multi-billionaire. But I do believe that God can take care of you. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will God in heaven take care of you? Here's what we know is that if we're going to be a blessing to the nations of the earth, we have to be blessed. Well, I have all that I need preached. I don't need anything else. Well, that's cool for you if you want to live a selfish life. 
But not everybody else in the rest of the world has the opportunity to make $90,000 a year. Make $100,000 a year. There's nations that you work, you work physical labor 18 hours a day and you make $6. They are counting on us to win here, to send missionaries there, to get them out. Are, are you hearing me today? I'm, I, know I'm, I know I'm going in here. I can feel the vein here. But we are a church that God will provide for us. Do you believe it today? Who has ever seen God take care of your needs? Who's ever had some mountain pop up and go, man, I don't know how I want to do this. I pay for that. And God made a way. God is a God that he leads and where he guides, he provides. He says, I will be with you. I'll give you this land. Are you hearing me today? Come on the keys. I'm almost finished. I'll go all day if you don't come up here. Here's what I believe is that God is looking for a church that not only values the presence and where the presence of God is, there is protection. Where there is protection, there is provision. Where there is provision. Here's what's crazy. And this is what I know. Many of you, you've never been generous. Many of you have never been like Jacob going, hey, God, all my life is yours. Because you've never experienced his presence. You've never experienced his protection, maybe that you're aware of. Or you've never personally experienced his provision. Here's how I know. Because it's those first three things, the presence, protection, and provision, that creates a personal connection with God. You know what I believe in America? We have many people that know all about God. They could cite their 66 books. They could cite all the facts about the Bible. Many of you went to Christian schools. You went to Mariners, went to this great Christian school or that Christian school. It's all great. Education's awesome. But many people go and they learn all about God, but they're not transformed into his image because all they have is a head knowledge. Watch what Jacob says here. Look how powerful this is. Go back to Genesis chapter 27. You write it in your notes. Notice what he says here in chapter 27, verse 20. This is uh, when he's hijacking his brother's birthright. He, his mom prepares an animal. It happens in record time. He's supposed to be hunting. Esau's hunting. He comes in extra fast with this meal. And his dad goes, how did you get this animal so quick? Watch what Jacob's language was. He says, the Lord, your God. Say it with me, your God. Notice what he says here. He says, because the Lord, your God, brought the animal to me. I want you to see the shift here. He says, God, if you'll be with me, you'll protect me. God says, I'll be with you. I'll give you the land. I'll protect you. I'll be with you. And watch what he says in verse, verse 21 of Genesis chapter 28. Verse 21. Watch what he says here. Jacob goes, so I will come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be. No longer is it the Lord, your God. It's the Lord. If I have a word for anybody today, is this. God does not want partial custody of any of his kids. God has no, God has no grandkids. God does not want to know you through your mom and through your dad. You might have an awesome mom today. Thank God for the great moms. But listen to me. We don't get to heaven by mom's relationship with Jesus. We don't get to heaven by grandma's relationship with Jesus. Jacob goes, Dad, your God gave me favor. But in Genesis 28, he says, then after you protect me, after you provide for me, after your presence is with me, then you will be my God. You know what I feel that I feel a boldness for some of you men especially to say today is the day that I take ownership for my own faith. My wife has been carrying the faith in my family and I just feel a call. We live in a society that has broke down the nuclear family unit. We've broken it down. We're in a society that raises up weak men and angry women. 
wherever there's a vacancy of fathers, you will find angry men and promiscuous women. And God is raising up fathers once again that are healthy, that love Jesus, that establish identity and purpose in their kids. Are you hearing me today? So dads, I'm talking to you for a minute. I know it's mothers, but I'm talking to you dads. Greatest gift you can give your wife is going, you know what? You've had a faith. It's time for me to have a faith. It's time for me to start praying. You read your Bible every day. You're going to Bible study six days a week. It's time for me to start getting involved. I'm enlisting the men to begin to rise. I know. I know it's quiet up in here. So like, no, no, that's my wife. My wife's got that, Mark. No, no, no. She needs you to rise. Feel this. His presence, his protection, his provision. It's going to be personal. Great churches are places that people make their faith personal. You should come to my church. My pastor really knows God. No, that's not it. You should come to my church. My wife loves it. That's not it. You should come to my church. They have great kids ministry. We do, but that's not it. Here's what it is. You should come to where I'm going because that's where I got close to God. God wants every one of his kids to have a personal conviction. Are you hearing me today? And I'll be honest, man. When you have a personal connection with God, it'll lead you to the promises of God. You know what he said to him? He's all right, God, this is what I'll do. Since you you have a presence, your presence will be with me, your protection, your provision, your, uh, your personal to me. Here's what we'll do now. I will build a place. You know what Jacob's response was to the presence? Here's what my belief is. You can never really encounter the presence of God and leave it not wanting to build something. Every time I've been in the presence of God, every deep encounter I've had with heaven, I've always left with a deeper conviction to build. Can I get a good amen? I'll be honest, man, there's much easier lives to being a pastor. You get people throw rocks at you, accuse you of things, lie about you. I'm like, dude, I can have a job with way less stress, way less gossip, way less strander, keep my kids protected. Come on, we know there's some people that are, that, are, that are at the forefront of what God is doing, and we get all the rocks. We get people lying about us, literally saying the opposite about what we're doing. And I'm like, dude, I can live a life. Look, I have friends in our church that would probably pay me four times what I make, have no stress, no anxiety, none of this stuff that, I, that, that pastors have to deal with. But here's the deal. I'm not living for comfort and convenience. I'm living because God has called me to do something with my life to create a place that people can encounter him in a personal way and experience promises for themselves. I want to challenge you today. We're going to be promise seers. God has given us promises. And here's what we do. You can't go into the presence of God and not want to build something. Quite frankly, I'm like, man, if there's easier lives to live, Mark. But here's what I know. I've never met with God and left wanting to build a selfish life. So I will tolerate the abuse that pastors have to deal with in order to build the beautiful bride that Jesus is coming back for. Can I get a good amen today? I feel like I'm in something right now. I want to, I want to, let me just, let me just give you some pastoral advice. Do not throw rocks at anybody that's trying to build the church. I'd ask you, Ocean Church, your home church, we don't talk bad about any other churches. They might not have what we have, do what we do. We love anybody that's preaching this book. Can I get a good amen? We don't talk bad about other churches. We don't talk bad about other ministries. I said this a couple weeks ago. I think Will Smith was prophetic. Keep, Jesus is saying, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. We got people making documentaries about churches, trying to shame churches, throw rocks at churches. I want to remind you that the devil is the one that accuses the brethren. 
not the church. Ah, I feel something here. Orange County, hear me. I know wealthy cities, they like to gossip. We're bored, and the people that criticize the church the most are usually the ones that are the most bored with their own lives. Don't criticize people that are trying to build the church. Can I plead with you? Pray for the Rick Warrens. Pray for the Greg Laurie's. Pray for the Sean Foyts. Pray for the Christine Canes. Don't throw rocks. Can I get an amen? The world will do that. We don't need the church doing that. It's like, it's like Scotland in, 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 in Braveheart when William Wallace is knocked off the horse by a fellow Scotsman. I expect the devil to throw rocks at me. You know what bugs me though? Is when people in my church talk bad about us. I'm like, why do you go to our church? Find somewhere that you trust your leaders. I'm sorry, I feel something here today. We, I want to be honest, we are who we say we are. Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you read your Bible, it says no one under a demonic spirit can say that. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So unsubscribe to your weird conspiracies. Can I get an amen? And let's start building the stinking church. Come on, stand your feet. I'm done. We're builders at Ocean's Church. We're not terror downers. We're builders. Prophecy builds. The gifts of the Spirit build. We're not called to be terror downers. We're builders. Do your words build. Do your friendships build. I want to challenge you today. We are in Orange County. One of the strongholds in this area is gossip. Do your friends, do they cover people or do they slander people? I want to challenge you, man. If you're, you got buddies that are texting you, talking about complaining, slandering people, stop being friends with people that are gossips. I feel it up in here today. I'm kicking, I feel it. The little veins quiet in here. I don't know. How does he know people talk like that? Because we're in Orange County. And the devil wants to try to divide us. He can't beat us from without. Look at me. Orange County, Church of Orange County, listen to me. The devil can't beat the church here from without. The only way he can make our church and the church ineffective is if he divides us from within. He gets us so busy throwing rocks at other churches, making accusations against other pastors and leaders. He gets you divided amongst yourself. A house divided against itself cannot. What's going to stand? A church that builds. Are you hearing my heart today? Who wants to go to a place that builds the presence? Come on, sees the protection, sees the provision, has a personal encounter, and sees the promises of God come to pass. I want to pray for you today all over this place. Can I ask you to do me favors? Close your eyes for a minute. We're almost done. How many feel like Mark? I feel the Holy Spirit asking me to build, to build a place that I value His presence. I'm, I'm calling all men and women. If you say, Mark, I have not valued the presence of God reading my Bible, I'll be honest, most of your weird thoughts would go away if you would just read your Bible every day. How do you know? That's a rude statement. No, no. I get weird when I don't read my Bible. And usually I go a day or two. If I don't read my Bible, I'm like, oh my gosh, I made it a day and a half, two days. I'm getting weird thoughts. I'm getting angry. I'm getting like, I'm not living like Jesus. Read your Bible, Mark. Some of you today, man, a lot of your problems would go away if you just start reading your Bible every day. Stop acting like fleshly people. Start acting like spiritual sons and daughters. How many say, Mark, I want to value God's presence personally? Who would say, I'm going to give God some time this week personally? I want to carve out a place to meet with His presence. Would you give God a wave offering? Say, God, I want more of your presence. 
Come on, you want him? We want more of his presence in Orange County? Come on, who wants? If you're really serious, come on, give him a good wave off for God. I want more of your presence. Secondly, you say, Mark, I would love it if God would protect and be with me in this season. I can feel it, man. I know our church. Every time we've taken new ground, it's like another wave of attack comes against us. I feel it for our church. Some of you are under attack right now because you are taking ground. And I'll tell you the safest place to be, it's to be in the middle of God's perfect will. So here's what I'm going to pray protection over you today. How many say, Mark, would you pray that I feel like maybe it's your marriage under attack, it's your business under attack, your kids are under attack. Would you just pray for me right now? I feel like I'm under attack. Would you pray protection over me? Would you just lift your hands right now? I feel this, I feel this strong right now. If someone's hands up next to you, put your hand on your shoulder. We're going to pray for each other right now. We're going to pray covering. We're all taking ground in Orange County. We are the salt of this county. We are the lights to Orange County's lamps. And God, God knows he wants to protect his church right now. Would you pray for them right now? Just say, Jesus, I ask you right now that the blood of the lamb would cover every man, every woman, and every child that has their hand up right now. We pray a hedge. Come on, pray with some faith. We pray a hedge around their family, around their marriage, around their children, around their business, around their finances. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. In Jesus' name, come on, if you receive it, come on, say amen. Come on, give God 10 second hand clap. You received that prayer of protection. We're almost done, I promise. We're in something today. Can, please don't leave unless you're catching a plane. Stay here, we're almost done. This is, this is important. Some of you, you need a provision right now. You're like in a critical window of provision. And I just felt like the Lord said, this is the day of provision. This is gonna be a week of divine provision. If you're believing God for some sort of provisional miracle, raise your hand right now. I got faith for this. Raise your hand. You have a you have a deal pending. You have a contract. There's a lawsuit. Something going on. Raise your hand. If someone's hands up, come on. We're to pray. We're praying, church. Lay your hand on someone that has their hand up. Come on. Let's pray it right now. Something happens as the church prays. What's the hope of America? A praying church. What's the hope of California? A praying church. What's the hope of Orange County? A praying church. So right now, pray this prayer. Say in Jesus' name, we release resources open heavens and provision every area financial physical spiritual relational provide today we release we loose resources this week for every family every individual that's in need in jesus name come on if you believe that say amen how many would say this real quick Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Almost, I'm going somewhere. How many say, Mark, my provision is financial, and I have some immediate needs, like right away, like some, like rent. Some came up with your car payment. I can't fix it. Something's going on. You're like in a dire need financially. Eyes closed, please. Eyes closed. It's a holy moment. It's not a moment. I don't want anyone to feel embarrassed. I need everybody that needs to respond to this to raise their hand right now. I feel like I'm barely making it right now. Like there, there's, I, I have a, a deep financial need right now. Would you pop your hand up right now? I'm, I'm just like in a dire spot financially. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm in a deep financial need right now. Hands are up right now. Do me a favor. If you feel led by God to bless somebody that's in need, I want you. I'm giving you permission. If you want to help somebody to open your eyes, keep your hands up, everybody. Keep your eyes closed. But if you want to help somebody, just open your eyes and see somebody that has their hand up. I would love it after service. If you would go up to them. I know we're over time right now. Give them 20 bucks. Get their cash app or their Venmo. The early church was generous to those that were in need. So please don't look around. If you're, if you're looking around, I'm holding you to it. You're going to give money to somebody. But if you, if you, if you want to help somebody in need, keep your hand up. 
Real high. Put it up real high one more time. Look around. Find someone you want to bless. Okay, we're going to bless that person, that guy, that guy right there. Okay, that girl. Awesome. You put your hands down. God's going to provide. Some of you, I'm telling you, to the very dollar that you need, God's going to provide it today. And you're going to know there's a God that provides for his kids. All right. Last two things and we're done. Last, actually, last, yeah, last thing we're going to do today. If you're here, last two things. If you're here and you say, Mark, I, I'm not living personally for Jesus. You're, I, I know God's real, but I'm not living for him. Maybe you don't believe that God's real, but you feel something in these tents. You're watching online and you're like, God is asking me to start building my life on him. If you're tired of living for yourself and you're ready to go all in, get rid of some idols and go all in for Jesus. I want you to close your eyes. There's many men today that you got to rededicate your life to God. I'm going all in. I want his presence. I want his protection. I want his provision. I need it to be personal. Eyes closed. Many today. Mark, I want to have a personal, dynamic fire. I don't want secondhand smoke. I want my own fire with God. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm over time. I need you to raise your hand right now on the count of three. One, all over the room. That's me. Two, I'm rededicating guys and girls. A lot of guys, though. Three, real high. That's me. That's me, real high. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Keep it up, real high, real high. I see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, real high, 14, real high, 15, real high, 16, 17, 18. See in the back, 19. Very good, very good. 20 in the very back, 10. Anybody else? 21, very back, 10. Awesome, awesome. Put your hands down. At least 21. Online, right heart right now. H E A R T. At least right now, just H E A R T, heart. Oceans, pray this prayer with us. Raise your hands. Say, Jesus. Like you made it today, say, Jesus, I acknowledge before all these people that you are God. So therefore, I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you heal me physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually? Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. Lead me. Guide me. Provide for me. Protect me from this day forward. I commit my heart to you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Come on. Say amen to that. And I promise the very last thing we pray for today. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stop because there is power here to heal. If you are in need of a physical miracle, someone's believing to get pregnant, and I feel the Lord saying this this time next year, we're gonna be dedicating your baby. This time next year. We'll be dedicating a baby. You might have been trying for 9, 11 years, 16 years. This time next year, we're dedicating a baby. Right now, all over the room, you're believing for a miracle. It doesn't have to be uh, fertility, but any miracle, torn ACL, bruised liver, uh, maybe back surgery that's needed. Come on, raise your hand right now. Last thing we pray for, any healing. Come on, just lift your hand. He's here. He's here. But one more time. Last time, I promise, church. I'm just teaching you how to pray for the city. I'm teaching you how to pray for the city. Put your hand on somebody that's their hand up find somebody. Come on, everybody, find somebody. We need some that right there. We've got that right there. Awesome. 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 One last prayer, Oceans. One last prayer. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, I invite you today to heal everything from the top of their head, soles of their feet. By the, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we believe they are healed. So please now heal, deliver, save, and get all the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Come on. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.